develop meaningful relationships because that's what community is. And it's not something magic that happens overnight. It takes work. It takes dedication. It takes forgiveness. And it's already there. And once you start investing in your community, you will find out there's more there than you ever thought possible. Welcome to Thrive in the Future podcast, positive solutions to help you thrive, designing your intentional life, homesteading, gardening, and rediscovering culture and tradition. Join our thriving community. It's where our community shares our positive solutions, our wins and our losses. Join at signup.thriveinthefuture.com. At Grow Nut Trees, I still have some chestnuts and some elderberry, as well as comfrey crowns and comfrey cuttings. That's at GrowNutTrees.com. Okay, welcome back to Thrive in the Future. This week, I have Nicole Sauce from Living Free in Tennessee. Welcome, Nicole. Nice to be here. How are you doing? Good. So what's new on the homestead this week? We are still trying to get my house put back together because I replaced all the joists because they were two by fours. And I don't know if you know this, but two by fours are not strong enough to hold floors up with pianos and such on them. Wow. So was the floor bowing and things? Yeah, I I, I was wondering why my floor was not level. And so we pulled it open and then we discovered why it wasn't level. (laughs) Because it was two by fours. Yeah, I'm actually surprised my fridge didn't like just fall through the floor at some point in the last 17 years, but it didn't. It just got lower and lower. Yeah. So was the kitchen going downhill? Well, I sort of I've had these, the, the rooms fridge? have sort of humps. <laughs> this uh-huh. is how it was. So and I thought I wanted to put tile down and you need it to be level to put tile down. So I thought, OK, we're going to do this. And then I was like, never mind. I'm going to replace everything, not just a few joists here and there. We're just going to put joists in to begin with. So. So when you went down in the basement, this year? Hmm? when you went down in the basement, then did you see the joists or were those all in there's, the ceiling? There's no basement. Yeah. Oh, OK. No. You got cross space. Yeah. OK. <laughs> wow. I don't even have a crawl space. I have about a inch between the bottom of the two by fours and the chert under my house Uh so what happened is we built up higher inside the house so i have reduced the distance from the floor to the ceiling by adding actual joists goodness yeah so what about the homestead do you have uh, everything put away for the winter time not quite i need to put more leaves on my banana trees or banana bush or whatever it's a grass i guess technically and Mm -hmm. i need to plant my garlic and that's happening next, well, this week, Thanksgiving week is when I usually plant my garlic. So that'll that'll happen at some point in between. I'm rebuilding a hearth for my wood stove, which is also super important to me right now. Oh, yeah. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I pretty much have everything harvested and uh, we're putting more wood chips and things and mulch and augmenting the soil and things for next year. I also have a cow coming in two weeks, I think. So I need to think about my freezers very carefully. Like anything I shoved in the freezer with the idea that I was going to can it later needs to can it later. It needs to be canned. So <laughs> that's coming up. I always like to do like the tomatoes in the winter because the heat from the canner comes into the house instead of the heat from the canner coming into your house in August. So I do right. some salsas and tomatoes in the summer. But I also always go into this time of year and I have this whole section of tomatoes that I cored and threw in the freezer. Yeah, I moved the canner outside onto the porch because it was too hot in the house. 
Yeah, it's, I think that's the best way to go is outside canning if you're going to do it in the summer. Yeah, I need to get it and build an outside kitchen. That would be cool. Yeah, it is nice. Very good. So I wanted to uh, bring you on, talk a little bit about community and some of the, I mean, there's different levels of community. You have, uh, you have the, the LFTN uh, one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so there's, it, it's funny talking to people because people can't agree on what community is. Some people say, oh yeah, I'm in that Facebook group and oh yeah, I'm in that Telegram group or, or we get together for workshops or whatever else. And then, uh, but you have in the holler there, like you had on episode 42, it takes a holler. You've got a whole bunch of people that actually like move there, right? Yeah, we have what we call the holler neighbors. And these are people who live in essence next door to me or around me. Mm -hmm. And we have been moving towards buying more land here to bring more people in. Really? But it happened organically. And it's a, it's a, we're based on ownership. So even, the ones who rent for me are they have dominion over their homes, right? Like they can't just light it on fire, but right. they, you know, if they want to, if they want to be vegan in their own house, they can be vegan in their own house. If I want to eat cows in my own house, I can eat cows in my own house. So that has turned out to be a great way to work together, but we have shared goals. And when I realized we were becoming what I call an unintentional intentional community, because it, it is kind of turning into an intentional community. We sat down and had visioning talks and just talked about like, what do we want to work on together? Where are the lines? How do we deal with conflict? You know, how do we maintain our relationships? Those sorts of things. Oh, so you had the, uh, the Paul Wheaton permaculture thorns type conversation. And uh... I guess, I don't know. It's so I, I am a coach who helps people develop their long-term life strategic plan. Mm -hmm. And I've, I'm done with my book, My Three Things, which is all about the method I use. I just used that method on the Holler Neighbors. And, you know, we did it over three or four weeks. So we had time to think in between. And and it turned out pretty good. You know, nothing's perfect. So do you own most of the land and then you rent it out to them, sort of like John Bush and the you know, exit and build strategy, or are they just moved there and bought the stuff next to you or, or both? I own most of the land or tactical and I own it. And mm -hmm. then I have really good relationships with the people who own properties near me that are for rent. Okay. So, you know, I like Nighthawk rents from somebody else, but it's right next door to me. And I'm first in line to buy that. Of course, if it went up for sale, I would buy it, but it would transfer probably into Nighthawk's name because, you know, all I'm interested in is if a property sells, if he decides to leave, I want to be able to, as our community, we can buy it first at a fair market price mm -hmm. so that we have a, a whack at it before somebody comes in who's just not a very good fit for our culture. Because we've we've established a neighborhood culture that's comfortable. Like, I can call on them to help me anytime. They can call on me to help them. We don't have, you know, we don't have a lot of crime here because we all know each other and we're not sneaking into each other's houses and stealing stuff. And, you know, it's a comfortable arrangement and that can change in a heartbeat with property ownership changing near you. And that's, I mean, that's actually cautionary in, in rural settings. Like you never know if a place goes for sale on your property, you want to recruit people 
who you think you can have as good neighbors, I think. Otherwise, you can end up with, or you could end up with somebody who's like, I'm going to complain about your rooster crowing every day until you get rid of your rooster, and I'm going to try to get codes and, you know, passed and enforced. We've had that happen in another county in Tennessee where they're trying to make people register their chickens. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's like, I live on five acres. Why do I need to register my chickens? I don't need to register my chickens. They're chickens. Yeah. The state of Kansas tried to make it so if you bought any chicks, then you have to, they have to take your name, but it's like, um, are you asking me for my ID? Okay. My name John is Doe, Wilma. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Wilma. <laughs> John <Like>. Doe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it's like, okay, so how long until the state comes around and says we've got bird flu and now I got to do something about it, right? And uh yeah, it was, it's just silly. But so when you had these these conversations, how how do you, do you go in the the conflict resolution planning type stuff? Probably not deeply enough. We have not had conflicts that we could not overcome. Most of the conflicts we have had have been related to um perceived slights and what we had decided or talked about is we need to, when we're coming towards a discussion about a conflict, we assume that everybody has a positive outcome hmm. in mind and right. try to put aside perceived slights. But, you know, it always happens in any relationship that somebody says something, it gets said wrong or you know, what will happen in relationships with me. And I do this to people is I I uh, I hyper focus sometimes and when I hyper focus I forget to do the things that you should do to maintain your relationships or I may not even notice that something's going on that should be really obvious because I'm so into whatever the thing is that got my attention and so then it hurts feelings and then I've been lucky with the holler neighbors we've kind of decided we're just going to say when our feelings are hurt if if we want resolution and talk about it. And then in order to make space for that, we started having meals together. And that would be a time when it's like, I'm not hyper-focused on, you know, I had to fix my roaster this week. By I, I mean tactical, but it involved me too. And yeah, you know, that's roaster, all right? I could think about in the background was the coffee roaster because it's Christmas roasting season. And now I'm oh, going to wow. be roasting like every day for the rest of this week. But uh, I was roasting. That's right. My hair is all messed up. Like I was roasting right up until we got in here and I took the bun out and like jumped on this podcast because there's there's like coffee chaff in there. Yeah, you know, that's, why I put a, that's why I put a hat on. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I used to wear my cowboy hat, but I need a new one. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. We had some discussions we wanted to do. Some of the groups around Kansas City wanted to do like an exit and build type thing. Mm-hmm. And it was so we started having these conversations over over Telegram about, so what what do you think about community? And it all came down to this hyper libertarian thing where you're gonna not gonna tell me what to do. And I was like, okay, so really what you're really looking for is investors or what are you yeah. looking for? Right. Yeah. You know. And it was, it was, you're not going to tell me what to do to the point where it was, you know, just not neighborly. So yeah, that's a problem. You, You can be freedom oriented and you can empower people's individuality. But if 
if their individuality involves throwing poop at my house, then I'm going to draw a line there. And I, it's not me infringing on your freedom to draw that line. Yeah. But yeah, we were we were joking because we were like, wow, well, you guys really went from uh, libertarian to there ought to be a law really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I so. think in communities, it's nice to say sort of like this is our, these are our, the standards of good behavior. I mm. think that is a discussion that you can have because you're not being a good friend or a good neighbor if what you're doing is causing other people pain. And, you know, if you're drinking yourself to death in your own house, that will cause me pain, but that's your choice. Hmm. But if you're drinking yourself to death in my house, Hmm. then I have every right to say, I don't prefer to watch this today. So please go drink yourself to death in your house. Wow. So you're still having communal meals. How often do you do that? We, I would say we manage them about every two weeks uh, mm. with my schedule. We were doing them weekly. Well, there was a point where we were doing them three times a week and it was too much. Um, I think weekly is great, except for somebody or other is out of town. With, with my house currently all ripped up, the only other really big gathering place for a meal that works well is at the Eversoul's house, which is where Jenny used to live. And so like this weekend, they're, they're, you know, doing some stuff and, you know, related to Thanksgiving. Sure. <laughs> and, and so there won't be a meal there. And I'm not going to invite people like I have subfloor in like we could meet at my house and have a meal, but I'm, I'm coming to you from the camper studio and I'm living in a camper and it's got a pretty small little table here. So. <laughs> oh, you're in the camper. Yeah. This is the camp. That's my, my bed's behind me, which is probably not professional, but whatever. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. My glamper. I got my espresso maker within arm's reach right here. So I have my uh-huh. priorities right. So did you turn that into a permanent studio then? No, I my permanent studio will be in the house when it's done in my guest room. And I'm taking behind me where the bed was, was a bunk. And I t- we took the bunk out. It can be put back in. I'm going to have that made into a Murphy bed for my guest room so that it has more space to be a studio because Mama Sauce is not here as much right now. So I can just fold that bed up, use it as my studio, and it's it's got good power. It's I, In the camper, you can hear all the outside noises inside. Mm-hmm. So in the house, it's a little bit better for, you know, you hear fewer rooster crows. You'll probably still hear a rooster crow or a dog bark. But here, if it rains, you would know it was raining because it will get very loud. Yeah. So the bed folds up up against the wall then? Yeah, the, the one I'm bed. having in the studio, this bed makes into a couch if I want it to, but I, I'm just going to leave it as a bed because, yeah, you know. Yeah, I work from home, and sometimes if I have the windows open, the rooster will run by, and you can hear it. <laughs> no, yeah. what's, what's that? <laughs> You're like, oh, hey, yeah. I live on a homestead. I didn't lie about it. <laughs> yeah, and then the, the chickens are running around and, and everything, so, yeah, it's kind of funny. <laughs> So, so you're still having GSD workshops over at your uh, your place, right? When's the next one? So the GSD happens all over the state, and that's where Holler Neighbors is a smaller group, but m- most of the Holler Neighbors have come from what we call the GSD crew from middle from Tennessee, and it was that's a group of friends all over the state. The last mm-hmm. GSD was last weekend, so I'm not. Mm-hmm. I don't know when the next one is. I know the last one was last weekend. 
they got together at Brian's house and put in an HVAC system. Wow. So his his had broken. Nighthawk works in HVAC, so he has like all of the certifications needed to do the things that need to be done. He knows how to do it. And so I think he saved he probably saved Brian thousands of dollars by being able to like run a crew and then they hung out and had fun. So those are still happening there. They have, we haven't had as many large scale ones. We also had a community member break his leg and he had not finished his Turkey coop yet. And winter is coming. And so the Mm -hmm. weekend before that, everybody went over and, and built the, they dried in his Turkey coop. So I I suspect the next get together won't be till next year. There may be like a Christmas gathering that's not a GSD project. It's going to be more of a hang out and have fun and eat good food project. Yeah, we have the no one's an expert, but we're still going to get stuff done workshops because too many people got worked up and wound around Axel because they're not an expert. We're like, yeah, we're going to get together and process chickens. Well, I'm not so sure about that. And then it's like, well, let's get together and, you know, it's a yeah. fungible skill and we'll we'll relearn it and show the other people who don't know how to do it. Right. Yeah. And, there's this uh, real thing about people just overly obsessed with being an expert before you do something. <laughs> yeah. Or you got to wait to have a workshop when we can have some expert come out. And we are just like, no, we're going to get together and make some vinegar and just, you know, have a barter blanket and just have, have some fun and learn some stuff. Yeah. I mean, does it work or does it like the worst thing that happens is you make vinegar that doesn't turn into vinegar. (laughs) Yeah. And then you figure out why, and then you try it again. I just, yeah, that's, that's something I was thinking about because I had an interaction with somebody. I I also run some rental units, um, not here. And they had, a a situation that required an exterminator but i couldn't get an exterminator on friday the 13th in october but ryan steva who's a home inspector and you know no slouch on knowing how to do some repair work came out figured out the squirrels had gotten into the walls excluded them put bait out closed everything up and the next thing i get is you know what does the professional say? And luckily, accidentally, an exterminator did show up Monday, didn't charge me anything and said, what he did was what I would have done. It's fine. Hmm. But it was like this perception that you have to have a professional look at squirrels getting into your house. And the same person will be like, I need a professional, you know, painter to paint. And I'm like, you don't actually. Right. You like Ryan is a professional. He's just not a specialist. And there's this like this over obsession with you have to be a specialist to do it right. Like you can paint a wall. I can paint a wall. We can all paint walls. And yeah, sometimes problems get to the point where you need a specialist. But Mm -hmm. I think maybe that perspective for me working at the homestead or living on this homestead for about 17 years is that. Like we've had to learn how to do a whole bunch of stuff ourselves so we can. And the way we learned it was, oh, the the water doesn't work because the pump house is broken and a plumber can't come out for two weeks. So by gum, I'm going to get on the internet and figure out, figure this out. Cause I want water, water sooner than two weeks. And, and then you figure it out and you do it. And yeah, specializations are great, but uh, overrated. 
<laughs> and rant. <laughs> and rant. Yeah, and exactly. Rant. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, so that's we we just started having the uh not an expert but we're still going to get stuff done things and then the more that the people in town end up getting chickens then it's and then we're starting all over again with them. Yeah. So it's good. That's great. I mean, not an expert, but I'll get it done. Works for me. Mm-hmm. I did really, I, I enjoyed having an expert, Joel Salatin, do the chicken processing class in October for Self-Reliance Festival. I learned a lot from that guy. And I'm like, I teach chicken classes, but man, I'm going to change a couple of things because that's brilliant what you're doing there. So that's the other side of the coin is definitely go take classes that you think you're good at the thing because you'll find something new. Sure. Yeah, the last time we did chickens, uh, they apparently had overfed the chicken. Oh, and no. so the liver looked kind of goofy. It had like fatty liver and stuff. So we're like, yeah, we're not we're not going to take a chance on this one. But it was interesting to see that variation. Yeah, we did a set here that somebody had overfed and you couldn't fit your hand inside to get the evisceration done. It was really mm-hmm. hard. All the small handed yeah. people had to help. Small-handed people. <laughs> I'm usually the small-handed person, but I needed smaller hands than mine. It was just like, neat, neat, neat. okay, that's not happening. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So, are you having uh, you getting together with uh, Holler neighbors for Thanksgiving? Then we have the Holler neighbors who are here are doing Thanksgiving, but we're going to sort of more of a regional thing from just the 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 area people who are like-minded so i'd say it's i'm gonna call it inner circle and we are going not to my house because of the obvious reason so i'm i'm actually right after this i have one more live stream and then i start cooking the things i'm bringing tomorrow to somebody else's house and my turkey is already being cooked over there Mm -hmm. so um so it'll be fun it's just everybody who's in town who doesn't necessarily have a bigger family event to go to. We said, let's do it together. And um, that's kind of, it's sort of like the family away from family approach. I love it. Great. So bonus question. The uh, I ask all my guests in November and December on what's your favorite Christmas holiday memory. So what's your favorite Christmas tradition or holiday memory? It's a holiday memory, and it's from, I think it was about 2016. I was, it was a Thanksgiving, but it's Christmas related. I was at my dad's place in Oregon for Thanksgiving, and my grandma was still alive. So she was in her 90s by this time, and we had taken her from where, you know, she was in assisted living to his house, and she was sitting in a recliner and she was talking about what it was like to grow up in the depression as wow. a, as a poor person and she said i remember this one christmas where we hadn't had meat for a really long time because we just didn't have anything hmm. and the neighbors slaughtered a pig and they knew we hadn't had meat for a long time and they gave us the pig's heart and she said of course my mom came from mennonites so she knew what to do with a pig's heart And she cooked that up for Christmas dinner, and it was the best Christmas dinner I've ever had. (laughs) And that memory always sticks with me when I'm going into the holidays, because what I took from that was 
gratitude for what you have. And, you know, we can get all caught up in getting the right gift for somebody or having to have this or that specific food item or do this specific thing. But what was important to my grandma in the Depression was that she could be with her family and that they all got to have part of this pig's heart. And and that was enough. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> so, Nicole, what's the best way for folks to connect with you on your podcast and your community, online community? Boy, well, if people want to get together with me, the best way to do that, to if you want to find out everything I'm doing, go to NicoleSauce.com, and that will connect you with my podcast, which is Living Free in Tennessee, uh, Hollow Roast Coffee, which is the craft roasted coffee that we make here. And then, of course, if you're interested in events, we do the Self-Reliance Festival and a spring workshop here at the Homestead. So all of that is over at NicoleSauce.com, and it, it's like the portal to all all things here. Yeah, I like how you made that so it rolls up to that central NicoleSauce.com location. It almost it only took me eight years to figure that one out. <laughs> and I owned the domain the whole time, and it was just sitting there. I was like, oh, I could do that. <laughs> Yeah, that makes that makes a good because like I have thriveinthefuture.com, but folks don't go there very much. So, you know, because they mostly consume the the podcast on the podcast app or whatever or on YouTube. So, yeah, that's that's a good uh, that's a good tip. OK, final thoughts. Well, you know, a lot of people do worry about community and I, you probably get as many questions about community as I do. It's like, how do I start a community? How do I join a community? And the thing I like to to say is that you're already in a community, whether it's the one you should be in or not is a bigger question. And the best way to attack that is start looking around you at the people that you interact with all the time and ask yourself, how can we be stronger? How can mm -hmm. we do something positive? If it's a negative community that you need to leave, leave. But if you're feeling alone right now, start looking around at who you can interact with. Start interacting with them digitally. Start interacting with them in person and develop meaningful relationships because that's what community is. And it's not something magic that happens overnight. It takes work. It takes dedication. It takes forgiveness. And it's already there. And once you start investing in your community, you will find out there's more there than you ever thought possible. That's excellent. Thank you. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. You bet. Hey, if you like this episode, leave us a tip on Venmo or Cash App at Thriving the Future or join the Patreon, patreon.com slash Thriving the Future. You get early episodes and you get extras. Thank you. Check out Thriver News. It's thriving community news without the noise. It's longer form articles where Perpin and I share how to thrive and how to live that abundant life. That's at Thriver News, thriver.news. Check it out. Thank you for listening to Thrive in the Future podcast. If you like what you hear, please click that like or subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at Thrive in the Future and also go to thriveinthefuture.com.